Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hello parents, tired parents, rested parents, all the parents. Welcome back to Sleep Cues. It's Q&A day. So as you know, every couple of weeks on Sleep Cues, we're going to be tackling some of the top questions from the week. Questions I get through my DMs on Instagram, through my Facebook messages, my emails, to really help you out in giving you the answers to the questions that are revolving around your baby's sleep challenges or things that you're finding confusing or difficult when it comes to your baby or toddler's sleep. Here's the great thing about this and why I wanted to implement this Q&A day every couple of weeks, because you're not alone. So many parents message me with similar questions about their little one's sleep. But the interesting thing is most people who message me assume that they're alone that they are the only one experiencing this challenge or the only person with this question, the only one whose baby is experiencing this issue or difficulty. And it's just not the case. I get many similar questions in my inbox. And the great thing about that is that when I give someone an answer to that question, especially if we do it in a podcast episode, I'm actually answering the questions of a lot of parents who are going through similar stuff. So even if your immediate circle of friends with babies are not experiencing the same questions or challenges that you are, know that lots of parents are, and you're not alone, and it's normal to have questions or challenges with baby sleep, and so that's why we're devoting this episode every couple of weeks to answering those questions. So let's dig in to the questions for today, starting with, Hi Erin, I'm trying to put my six-month-old down at 7 p.m. every night, but she's so upset. Any tips? What's the ideal bedtime for her? Here's the thing about trying to have a static bedtime for a six-month-old. This parent is saying, I'm trying to put her down at 7 p.m. every night. The issue is that six-month-old is a baby, not a robot. So much like your six-month-old, if you're listening with a six-month-old, that baby did not wake up at exactly the same time today as yesterday. Her naps were not exactly the same length as they were yesterday. And importantly, her naps did not end at the exact same time that they did yesterday. So why would her bedtime be 7 p.m. both nights if the days did not look the same? It's normal that babies and grown-ups have differences in their sleep a little bit or a lot each day. So it's normal that a six-month-old is going to wake up a little bit earlier some days and a little bit later other days, that she might take longer or shorter periods of time to get down for her naps some days and then nap for a little bit longer or a little bit shorter each day. It's not going to be exactly the same every day. So if it's not, then why would bedtime be exactly the same every day? What we want to focus on for infants is an age-appropriate amount of awake time between their last nap and their bedtime. So for a six-month-old, let's use that as an example. Say I'm giving my six-month-old two and a half hours of awake time between their last nap and their bedtime. So today, my six-month-old's last nap ended at four. That means with two and a half hours of awake time, I shouldn't be stretching her to this static 7 p.m. bedtime that I have in my mind. She should be going to bed at 6.30 because that's two and a half hours from when she woke up from her last nap. What if tomorrow that same six-month-old's naps take her to 4.30 in the afternoon and she wakes up from her last nap at 4.30? Well, now bedtime of 7 p.m. makes sense because that is two and a half hours from when she woke up from her last nap. So again, the answer to this question is really about the ideal bedtime being the age-appropriate amount of awake time from her last nap to when you place her in the crib for the night. The ideal bedtime is not 
this exact time on the clock every single night that stays the same every single day. This parent also said this child's so upset, you know, so what's the ideal bedtime? Really, we're probably missing the ideal bedtime if this child is very upset at bedtime every night. She's probably overtired. So my guess would be that this little one is waking up from her naps maybe around 3 30, 4 o'clock and then being stretched all the way to 7 because mom in a very well-meaning way thought that 7 o'clock was a great bedtime for a six-month-old. But again, it's only a great bedtime for a six-month-old if their naps ended two and a half hours before that. But if their naps ended well before that and we're stretching all the way to seven o'clock, now your baby's overtired, that is going to result in that baby being quite upset at bedtime. So really watch your child's sleep cues and tired signs, but also educate yourself about age-appropriate awake times and that's what's going to help you decide when to put baby down for the night. We have a guide to awake times that I share very often on our Instagram page at the Happy Sleep Company. So you can head there and check out our posts and you will find that guide and it can give you an idea based on your baby's age of how much awake time they should have before their naps and before their bedtime. The next question I pulled out, uh, actually it was a Facebook message, but I liked it for this episode because it was in line with the previous question, which is what is the earliest you would ever put a baby to bed? Very good question. It differs a little bit based on age. Under about four and a half months, I would rather see a child have a kind of late afternoon, early evening nap and a slightly later bedtime. Then once we get to about four and a half, five months, I would rather see a child not have such a late nap and just go for an earlier bedtime instead based on how baby's circadian rhythms work and how their sleep patterns change as they get well out of that newborn stage and into more like the four and a half, five month mark. They do tend to go to sleep better if they go to sleep a little bit earlier. So for children under about four and a half months, I would suggest that you really don't want to be doing bedtime any earlier than about 6.30 or 7 o'clock and then bedtime not later than about 8.30. Once your child is past about the four and a half, five month mark, that's where I would say I would love for bedtime to fall anywhere between 6 and 8 p.m. 6 at the early end, of course, 8 at the late end. The reason this really goes in line with the previous question is because when you choose to put your baby down fluctuates and is based on when their last nap ended. So if they had a really short nap day, their bedtime might be as early as six. And if they had a really great or longer nap day, their bedtime might be as late as 8 p.m. So in answer to this question, what's the earliest I would put a baby to bed? Once a child is well out of the newborn stage, it would generally be six o'clock. I would not do bedtime earlier than six. I do have some parents tell me they put their baby to bed for the night as early as five, 5.30. Kind of a recipe for early morning wake-ups if we're going down that early. It's a lot to expect your baby to be going like 13, 14 hours overnight and get past 6 a.m., which is the earliest most of us want to be awake for the day. So I wouldn't be doing a bedtime any earlier than 6, but I would do 6 p.m. on a day when baby's naps have ended quite early. The next question I came across was about bath time and dry skin. This parent asked, I know you recommend a bath as part of bedtime routine each night, but I worry about my child getting dry skin. What are your thoughts? The jury's a little bit out on this. I have had clients whose babies actually have eczema, and have been told by their doctor or pediatrician or specialist that they should not bathe their baby every night because it can cause baby's skin to dry out. And then I have also been told by parents that their doctor or pediatrician or specialist actually encouraged them to bathe their child each night because the cream that you put on your child to avoid dry skin or to manage the dry skin soaks in better when the baby has just been in some warm water and their pores are open. So 
Definitely a question to speak to your doctor about if you are concerned about particularly difficult dry skin with your little one. I will say, however, that when I recommend a bath every night, A, it's about giving a really good sleep cue. It's very different than anything else that happens in your child's day, and it sends a very good cue to your child that sleep time is coming up shortly. However, I do not recommend soap and bubble bath every single night. That's generally what is going to be the agent that dries your child's skin out. So instead, I would recommend just a quick warm splash around in the water each night and not soap and bubble bath every night, maybe just once or twice a week at maximum. So we're still getting the benefit of the bath as a sleep cue. And again, if you find your child's creams soak in better when they've been in some warm water and their pores are open, that can be helpful, but we're not using soap and bubble bath every single night. And if you're still finding your child's skin is dry or concerned that that will cause dry skin even without the soap and bubble bath every night, then certainly a question to chat with your doctor or pediatrician about, but those are my overall thoughts on it. The next question I got was about baby's bedtime routine being pretty easy, but the nights being pretty tough and wondering why that was happening and how we could fix it. So the question was, my baby's bedtime routine is pretty quick and easy and he falls asleep within minutes on the bottle, but our nights are very tough and he wakes up multiple times and will only go back to sleep with more bottles. How can we get him to go back to sleep during the night on his own? Here's the thing. We need to get your baby to go to sleep independently at bedtime before we can focus on him going back to sleep independently during the night. If your baby falls asleep quickly and easily on a bottle at bedtime, that's great for bedtime in terms of bedtime being easy and quick and simple and not stressful. However, it is probably what's causing the difficulties and potentially the stress overnight because if your baby falls asleep on the bottle at bedtime, he doesn't use his own sleep skills to get to sleep at bedtime. So then when your baby wakes up at 10 p.m. or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or all of the above, he doesn't have the skills to get himself back to sleep. If your baby doesn't have the skills to get himself to sleep, he won't have the skills to get himself back to sleep. I know that's a tough part because if bedtime is easy because of feeding to sleep, why would we make it harder by removing that aid that puts him to sleep? But again, we remove it so that baby isn't confused about how to get to sleep. If something puts him to sleep at bedtime, he's going to expect or need that thing to put him back to sleep in the night. If he puts himself to sleep at bedtime, he's going to wake up not confused about how to go back to sleep and possessing the skills to get himself back to sleep. So it's really about thinking about it in terms of that chicken and the egg situation, which comes first, bedtime or the overnights. Overnights are the bedtime. We need to figure out independent sleep at bedtime and then baby will also start to figure out independent sleep during those night wakes as well. Remember that it is very normal for all of us, babies, toddlers, and grown-ups to wake up multiple times during the night. When we're transitioning from one sleep cycle to the next, we rustle, we stir, and sometimes we wake fully. Sometimes even as adults, we take a few minutes to fall back asleep. We toss, we turn, our eyes are open, our eyes are closed. And that happens with babies too. But once your baby has good sleep skills, independent sleep skills, he can use those skills to get back to sleep during those transitions at night when he does wake up. The final question I'll touch on for today is suggestions for how to remove the pacifiers. So the exact question was, hey Erin, do you have suggestions for how to remove the pacifier as a sleep prop for an eight month old? This really applies to 
most ages, not just an eight month old. This was just the specific mom who asked this question. This one was about an eight month old. So do I have suggestions for how to remove it? The answer is the same as my answer to, do you have suggestions for how to remove feeding to sleep? Can you recommend how to transition from rocking to sleep to not rocking to sleep and putting baby down awake? The crux of it is we're asking how to stop using sleep props and how to teach baby to go into the crib with his eyes open and fall asleep independently. And that's about sleep coaching. Sleep coaching really is that process of going from one way of managing sleep to going to a brand new way and teaching your baby this new skill of falling asleep on their own. It doesn't mean falling asleep on their own without any love or support or reassurance. Again, it means falling asleep without the sleep props. And the answer to it really is sleep coaching. So what that looks like to your family really depends on you and your family. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all process. It's not going to look the same for every baby and every parent. You need to decide what sleep coaching strategy you're most comfortable with. The overarching answer to the question, do you have suggestions for how to remove the pacifier as a sleep prop, is sleep coaching. The answer to what sleep coaching strategy should I use or what are sleep coaching strategies is different. So common sleep coaching strategies include time to check in approaches and stay in the room approaches. You can also hear about cry it out and I will do an episode in the coming weeks or months about different sleep coaching strategies and what they mean and what they are. But essentially I tell parents there are four ways to get your baby to go to sleep. On one end of the spectrum you have rocking to sleep, feeding to sleep, pacifier to sleep. That's not what I teach families because that's generally what families are already doing when they come to me and they want to change it. On the other end of the spectrum you have cry it out which in its traditional sense means you leave your baby alone in the crib to cry and you do not return. That is not my approach, but it's an approach you've likely Googled or come across, and it's an approach that some families use. Somewhere in the middle, what you have left is all that's logistically left, which is if we're not going to rock and feed to sleep anymore, and we're not going to do cry it out where we just leave and don't come back, what's left in the middle is usually either some version of a timed check-in approach or a stay in the room approach. The important thing about this is the nuances. If you're going to take a timed check-in approach where you leave but check back on your little one and that's your sleep coaching strategy, how long are you going to leave for? How long are you going to come back for? What are you going to do when you go back in the room? What are you not going to do when you go back in the room? These are the important questions you need to ask yourself before you start with some kind of time to check in approach because there are different versions of that approach. You need to decide what you're comfortable with and what will work for you as a family. If you're going to use a stay in the room approach, what are you going to do when you sit in there? What are you not going to do when you sit in there? How can we be there and avoid being too stimulating and avoid using sleep crutches, but still offer baby support and reassurance? And that will be different based on your baby and their personality and what they respond well to. These are the questions that we talk through with parents when we work with them on a one-on-one basis, when we get to know a family and their baby and the sleep challenges that they have, and we begin to make recommendations for how we're going to overcome those challenges. These are the things that you want to decide before you start sleep coaching. So whether you have are doing your research on your own, whether you're working with a consultant, these are all things that you want to have prepped in advance before you start because once you have a plan in place for how you're going to remove those props and then respond to your baby when they are upset about 
losing those props, that's when you're going to have success because you're going to be consistent. You're going to have a plan that you're comfortable with that you will follow through on. So it's really important to decide on that before you start. Again, this is what we work with families on every day, but the plan doesn't look the same for every single family because we need to talk you through it, talk with you and decide what your goals are and what your comfort levels are and what you've already tried and then what our recommendations are going to be based on all of that but also things that you can consider before you start sleep coaching but that's essentially how we're going to remove those props is sleep coaching with some version of some strategy for giving your baby support and love and reassurance but removing those props so they do learn those independent skills So those are the top five questions of the week. I hope that there was a question in there that had been at the top or the back of your mind and it got answered and was helpful to you. Don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram or Facebook, send us a message, leave us a note. If you have questions, you can go in the comments on our Instagram posts that we put up daily as well. If you leave us your question, it may certainly end up in our Q&A episodes on the podcast, and we always do our best to get back to everyone who DMs us with questions about their little one's sleep, so don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks for tuning in to Sleep Cues. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.